0: Welcome to the Coach House Beacons. Good morning everybody, I'm Steve and I'd like to welcome you all to today's Coach House Beacon. I love spending time in my garden. Maybe you also like spending time in your garden. One of the benefits of the recent lockdown has been that I've been able to spend more time in my garden, enjoying the surroundings, planting new flowers and getting on with some of the bigger jobs that have needed doing. This, of course, has been made so much easier by the unusually sunny weather that we've been blessed with. It is also the case that having access to a nice outdoor space has meant that as the lockdown has eased and, in accordance with government guidelines, of course, we've been able to meet a couple of friends occasionally. I know that I'm not alone in feeling this way about gardens. It's almost universal for people to want to spend time in a garden. Gardens offer a place of tranquility, a place to rest and reflect, a place to spend time with friends, and also maybe a place to grow your own food. We have a garden around the church, which gives us extra space for events but it is still a place of enjoyment when you want to just sit and think. It's looked after by some amazing gardeners who keep it so that others can benefit from this space. So what is it about gardens that draw us in? Is there something deep within us that yearns for the joy of a well-kept garden to relax in or to tend? Well, it goes right back to the way we were created. The Bible tells us that Adam, the first man, was created in the image of God. Now before God created Adam, he had made special preparation. He planted a garden, a special place where he could share fellowship with the man he had created. This garden was planted with trees that gave fruit for Adam to eat, and there was a river to water it. But more than that, God himself liked to walk in the garden. He came to talk with Adam, and in time Eve as well. This place was special and perfect. There was no pain, no illness, no decay, no death. Adam and Eve could have lived there and enjoyed being in the presence of God forever. We can see that God enjoyed being in the garden. So, as Adam was made in God's image, he also must have enjoyed being in the garden that we now call the Garden of Eden. All of us are, of course, descended from Adam and therefore this love of gardens has been passed down from generation to generation, and we, amazingly, have inherited Adam's God-given love of gardens. Of course, we know that Adam's time in the garden came to an abrupt end, when he sinned. From that point on, mankind's relationship with God changed. We could not be with God in that special garden any longer. So God decided to put into action a plan to bring his people back to a place where they could fellowship with him for eternity, as he had originally planned. Despite the passage of time, mankind has never lost that love of gardens. The Bible refers to gardens from time to time, confirming that this love is not something new, but something that has always been there. Sometimes it is a garden as we might know it, sometimes it's pictured as a vineyard, Remember the first thing that Noah did when he got off the boat? He planted a vineyard. There are many reasons for this, but one of them might be that he had heard of that original garden in Eden and wanted to create a new garden to symbolise the new start. We know, though, that this attempt went horribly wrong and Noah got drunk, which was because he was working in his own strength at that point and not in God's will. Later, In the time of King Solomon, Israel was at peace and were prospering under the blessing of God. The Bible says that during Solomon's lifetime, all of Judah and Israel lived in peace and safety. From Dan in the north to Beersheba in the south, each family had its own home and garden. This blessing from God was intended as a picture to remind the people of Israel of the garden that had been lost and also to point forward to a garden that is yet to come. The prophet Isaiah used the picture of the garden to illustrate both the good and the bad in people's lives. Isaiah saw that the people had deserted God and were living in whatever way they felt that they wanted to. In chapter 1 Isaiah says that the people were like an oak with fading leaves, like a garden without water. Later, Isaiah encourages these people who had realized their errant ways and sought to return to a right relationship with God. Isaiah says in chapter 58, The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Now that sounds like a much nicer garden. Of course, Isaiah does much more than talk about gardens. He points the way to someone who was coming some 700 years later. Isaiah knew that the sin that Adam had committed was still very much alive and living in him and indeed everybody else ever born or yet to come. He knew that the system of sacrificing bulls, goats and sheep was only temporary. In order for anyone to gain access to the eternal garden, a perfect sacrifice would be needed. That could only be achieved if God's own Son came to give his life as that perfect sacrifice. Now Isaiah did not know the name of the person who was to come, but he did know plenty about his life and his death. We have the benefit now of knowing that the person Isaiah was talking about was Jesus. Jesus lived amongst us as an ordinary man, But unlike the rest of us, he never sinned. In fact, it was Isaiah who said he had done no wrong and never deceived anyone. Isaiah also told us that Jesus was despised and rejected, that he was pierced for our sins. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter and that he took up our weaknesses. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. Jesus knew the enormity of the task ahead of him, and as the time grew near, he went to pray. Now, of course, the best place to do this would be in a garden. Matthew tells us in his gospel that Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. This olive grove was in effect a public garden, and as it says, Jesus had been there to pray many times before. After this, the Apostle John picks up the story, saying, When he had finished praying, Jesus left with his disciples and crossed the Kidron Valley. On the other side, there was a garden, and he and his disciples went into it. It was in this garden that Jesus was betrayed into the hands of the authorities by Judas Iscariot. In that first garden of Eden, God was betrayed by the one man's sin, which led to death and decay. In this garden in Jerusalem, once more, God was being betrayed by a man. However, this time the outcome would be very different. Another death would result, that of Jesus on the cross. But this time, Jesus did not stay dead. On the third day he rose again victorious over the power of death and decay that had resulted from Adam's sin. And on that glorious day of his resurrection, where better to first appear to someone than in a garden? As God had first appeared to a man, Adam, in the Garden of Eden, now Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene in the Garden at the tomb. By this event in the Garden, Jesus has shown that he alone has the power over death, power to overcome the sin of Adam and the curse of death. By trusting in Jesus and walking with him, we will one day walk with him in a new garden, an eternal garden free from sin, death and decay in which we can enjoy his presence for all eternity. As you enjoy your own garden, or maybe sit in the garden at church, remember the promise of that eternal garden, in which you will one day rest, and give him thanks. Coach House Beacons The Coach House Church Daily Devotional To find out more, join us on Facebook, Instagram, or on our website at www coachhousechurch.org